Welcome to Canterbury Gardens Community Church. My name is Shabu. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, and uh, as you know, we've been going through a little bit of a series. And, and we at the evening service have been going through this series of In His Image. Um, and we've been looking at this big idea, what does it mean to be made in God's image? Now, if you haven't already, um, we do have a pod, you can listen to it on podcasts, on iTunes, or you can go to our website and you go to sermons and you'll be able to kind of um, hear some of the other talks that were given on it. And in the last one, we talked about what does it mean to be made in his image, male and female, and specifically, uh, what does it mean uh, to have purpose in relation to that? Now, um, before we begin to kind of consider what's in front of us this evening, uh, I guess what I wanted us to consider is this. Uh, I'll do a little bit of a game. Uh, Do you guys know what word association game is? Yeah? Okay, cool. So I'll just test it out. If I said McDonald's, Big Mac, fries, what was the other one? Unhealthy. Unhealthy. It's very true. Uh, No one said nuggets. That was my first thought. Nuggets. Uh, what about um, the word friends? Sorry, TV show? Yeah. Yeah. Anyone, anything else? Friends. What comes to mind straight away? Nothing. Okay. So Ethan's obviously an introvert. So, no, no, I'm joking. Um, right. So it's hard to kind of connect and go friends. Well, what, what, what is it associated with? What about if I just use the word community? Sorry? Somebody said TV show? Yeah, right? The show Community? Senior Citizens? Somebody said Family? House? Church? Ten points, Emma Potts. Church. Great. Right? Um... It's interesting, uh, there's a new study that came out that um, um, uh, basically interviewed 1,500 young people, uh, and this is what it came, so that's ages between 18 and 25, uh, and this study was done this year, um, and they found out that there was reports of feelings of being quite left out and socially isolated as they navigate in particular as they leave high school and into sort of this university year. Uh, it was called the Young Australian Loneliness Survey, which kind of tells you what they're going to be researching. But what they found out was that half of the young adults, they said they lacked companionship and felt left out sometimes all or all of the time. Uh, The researcher who did this, the main guy, was saying that despite the rise of social media uh, and in the way they had people communicate in that age group, there is some positive things. Millennials and Gen Z are probably the most connected people in history, he said. But some evidence suggests the connections and relationships have the quantity, but not always the quality. Sometimes they don't have the same face-to-face relationship. Uh, They don't get the same benefits of spending time with people, eating with people, talking, sitting. That physical interaction is really important to connect with others. Even though, in a sense, the young generation, and I'm pretty old now these days, I've been told often, uh, is that even though they're the most connected, but they still feel quite lonely. Um, Recently, uh, I was watching an interview with a guy called Kanye West. You may have heard of him. And he's just released an album called Jesus is King. 
As part of this interview, the interviewee was sort of uh, trying to find out where his faith is at. Is it really genuine? And he made this interesting statement. He said, what we need in this culture most is each other. We gather together, and that gathering is the best type of family. It's a picture up here on the screen for you. And he says, his ultimate goal now, where he's getting interviewed, he's on this farm, and he's bought this massive pot of land, and his aim is to create this sort of world. And you know what he said? His aim is to have his family there, and his ultimate aim is to have the church in the center and to build a community around it. Uh, It's quite interesting uh, in what he's saying, because actually if you see in most of the Australian culture, if you go to a country town, you will find most probably the church in the middle of the town, and then the town built around it. Uh, Most modern-day things that are happening now, particularly the new areas that are being built, uh, it's very rare to see a church there, but there's another church that's called a shopping centre. Right? And then the community's built around it. Now, there's a number up here on the screen because I hope uh, at each slide you'll see a number. And the idea of that number is not to prank that person. It is not Kanye West's number, by the way. Um, it is to actually, in a sense, to create a dialogue. Uh, so as I'm talking, something prompts you and you have a question, it's an opportunity for you uh, to send an SMS to that person's number. Friends, this evening what I want us to consider uh, is to apply this reality of what does it mean to be together in his image, particularly in this language of community. So what I want to do for us is kind of lay a bit of a roadmap for us. There's three things up here on the screen that you'll see. Firstly, I want us to consider God's design for community. Secondly, I want us to consider sin's impact on community. And finally, the gospel-centered community. That's what we want to go to uh, this evening. With that in mind, let me pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We ask now, as we continue this time in worship, uh, no matter what journey we're in with you, that you reveal more of yourself firstly, as we consider what it means to be um, a community made in your image, we ask that you would show us what your design is. We pray this in your name. Amen. So first, I want us to consider God's design for community. Do you know where the first sort of conversation or the statement is made by God in regards to community? Well, it's actually in the first few pages of the Bible in a book called Genesis. It's actually well before the creation of Adam and Eve. Community already existed. See, God is the one who has always existed in perfect community known as the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the very first chapter of Genesis, you have these words up here on the screen in verses 26 to 27. Then God said, let us, that is this Trinitarian language, make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God is the one who is already in existence as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in Trinity. 
God is the one who designs community. God is the one who sets the boundaries, male and female. That's his design. And God is the one who's made this happen. God is the one himself, later on in Genesis, says it's actually not good for a man to be alone because God understands perfectly what community is like. He's the designer of it. So the image bearers of God, that's Adam and Eve, human beings, male and female, are actually shaped by the Trinitarian God. Now, (laughs) talking about the Trinity, that is a whole different sermon. But what I want to summarize for us up here on the screen is a guy called Kevin DeYoung. He's written a really little book called The Trinity. Uh, I would encourage you, if you haven't already, to read it. And this is what he says. The reason why I'm saying this is to be very clear what we mean by the Trinity. One, that there is only one God. Two, the Father is God. Uh, Three, the Son is God. Four, the Holy Spirit is God. Five, the Father is not the Son. Six, the Son is not the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not the Father. This is classic Christian theology. Uh, The reason why I'm sharing this with you is as you get to understand how God is designed, who God is in this idea of Trinity, you'll try to see and you'll see his idea of community coming out and played out in the world. Uh, There's other ways you can actually do this besides reading something like that. Uh, There's also in a lot of um, Christian sort of world, it's called the creeds. And one particular creed, it's called the Athanasian Creed, actually really goes really deeply and makes a statement about the Trinity. Why am I sharing this? God is the one who defines it. God is the one who's shaped it. God is the one who has made a community. Because God is the one who understands community perfectly. And because he is the God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And he's the one who's always existed, even before the creation of the world. You know, Jesus himself speaks of this. Uh, He actually speaks about it in John 17. Now, if you want to read about um, being one and being in community and in fellowship and friendship, this is a good place to go in the New Testament. Here on the screen, you'll see Jesus said, and he points this out, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. This is Jesus speaking that he has always existed. He's talking about he's existed with the Father in community. It's God's design. God is the one who's created this. Now, there is a problem. And that's what we want to talk about is sin's impact on community. Um, It's not long as you read Genesis, the reality of sin. Uh, Sin is ultimately us listening to the devil and his lies and saying to God, no thanks, we'll be our own boss. That temptation actually impacts the reality of community, the way that God had designed it. The community in the sense of community and fellowship with God is broken. The community that we can have with one another is totally destroyed. I don't know if you remember the story in Genesis, what happens? Everyone starts blaming each other. Humans are blaming each other. Adam and Eve start blaming each other. This is a picture of broken community. Community is broken. And throughout the story of the Bible, that's what you see. Constant, over and over again, communities at war, fighting against one another, because ultimately it becomes about the individual. And that's shown even today, isn't it? You don't have to go too far away to see, yes, that's still the impact today in 2019. 
But there's another thing that's happened with community that I see in 2019, and much earlier, that's nothing new. When you take God away from the center of it as the designer of community, ultimately community really is turned inwardly. And sometimes you have this creation of social clubs and so on who are ultimately looking after their own interests and their own needs. It's actually an inward kind of community. And the Christian subculture that if you are a follower of Christ, you're in, that has come out as well. And that's the reality that we're all in. I don't know about you, I don't know if you've noticed more and more particularly, often we sing songs that are far more about the individual. I don't know when was the last time when you've gone to a church service, and by the way, I'm not saying it's bad to sing in the songs about, you know, about the individual, but how often do we sing about we, us, as a community, as the gathered church? I don't know about you. I know for me, sometimes I use the language of personal faith. What's well, my faith? You know, this is what I believe, and it's personal to a point that's true, but I don't think it actually displays the full picture of what the Christian faith is really about. Do you know, a majority of the Old Testament, yes, has powerful stories of people, but it's actually a bigger story about God pursuing a nation. It's a group of people. And you fast forward that into the New Testament, and the New Testament displays, yes, there's letters written to individuals, but often it's written to a community of people. That's what you see. That's kind of the, the, the fruit of sin. But the other thing also, I think, has happened in the idea of community, how sin has affected it, community becomes the ultimate goal. Because it's about community, man. It becomes almost like an idol. Now, I've been in church ministry for a long time, uh, almost now coming up to uh, 12, no, 15 years in different kinds of contexts. And the thing I've seen, particularly in the early 2000s, there was this sort of movement that came. Guys, it's all about community. You know, we need to get back to the basics about community. We need to practice what was in the New Testament. We just get back to the basics, you know. Wonderful. But when you take Christ out of that community, the community is just community. And that ultimately becomes his ultimate goal, or it might even become an idol. And the good story is, and the good truth is, God is a God who rescues. Because God is the one who defines community, uh, he sends Jesus, his son, into the broken community, into broken people. And this is where we want to consider this idea of the gospel-centered community. Now, this idea of a gospel-centered community, firstly, we need to understand, firstly, what that means. To understand that, we need to know the gospel. You can't have a gospel-centered community without understanding the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus, that Jesus came into the broken communities that we know, the one that who came to rescue it, to restore it to how it's meant to be, to rescue us from our brokenness and rebellion. And remember the passage I just read earlier in John 17? Jesus actually talks about this. Now, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in front of him. Then he actually prays for you guys. He actually prays for me. He prays for the future disciples in John 17, verse 20, 21. It's up here on the screen. I do not ask, this is Jesus speaking, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, 
just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so the world may believe that you have sent me. Did you pick what Jesus is saying? His desire is for community, but it's a united community that displays something. It's actually representing something. It's representing the Trinitarian God, that we are united with them. And this whole idea of community, this gospel-centered community, is shaped by this message of the gospel. And the message of the gospel is Christ himself. And there's a purpose for it. Do you know why there's a purpose for Christian community? I don't know if you picked that up. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. The reason why Christian community exists is for witness. That is Jesus' goal. That's why there is church communities all throughout this world. This is why we exist, to be a witness together. The gospel creates this kind of community because ultimately this idea of this community together is to point to the one who died for his enemies. You know what? This kind of gospel community uh, creates a total counter-cultural community. A gospel community says, we're actually here for service, not for selfishness. A gospel community says, hey, uh, we're here for this very reason, that we are not going to be fearful, neither are we going to be prideful. And a gospel community is countercultural. Because in a church community or a gospel community, you should be able to see people from different backgrounds, different faith journeys, different age groups. And the world should look and go, this is really strange. Because in the world, my guess is you probably wouldn't get along. But what's making you get along? What's causing this community to happen? It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because this gospel community then also pushes us even further to holiness, to live in a particular way. It actually creates accountability as well. This is a picture of a gospel community. Because it's radically different from the world that we live in, or should be radically different. And it's Jesus is the one who invites us into this. Did you know that um, religions, um, particularly other religions and atheism, uh, cannot produce the kind of loving community that the gospel produces? In fact, Jesus states that our deep unity is the way the world will know that the Father has sent him and has loved us. Even as the Father has lived in him. It talks about in John 17. Jesus says that the main way people will believe Christians have found the love of God is by seeing the quality of their life together in community. That's the big picture. That's why Christian community ex- exists. You know what? The way that God describes what Christian community should look like is throughout the Bible. Here's just a few things. What should be displayed in a Christian gospel-centered community? And the Bible describes it as the one another's. It's up here on the screen. The idea of teaching one another, the idea of uh, stop being fake with one another, the idea of uh, carrying each other's burdens, the, the importance of sharing possessions, the idea of submitting to each other, 
that we pray and confess our sins to one another, that we admonish and comfort, the idea of honouring one another, accepting one another, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, cheering and challenging others on, we're warning one another, we're stopping from gossiping. These are all of God's wonderful design. This is what it should look like in a gospel-centred community. This is how this is displayed. Now, friends, um, this is the moment where you go, is that really happening? This is the moment where you need to ask the question of yourself and myself, is this being displayed? We need to understand a couple of things. For us to fully be able to engage in this gospel-centred design that God has created, where do we begin first? Firstly, I don't know all of you. It begins with, do you know God? That's the starting point. Do you know this God who is the one who's created a gospel-centered community through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ? This is always the starting point. This is why God has designed it. Secondly, you need to know the gospel. To understand a gospel-centered community and God's design of it, do you know the gospel? The gospel is not this one-time message. It's the constant message that we preach to one another to grow in loving Jesus and being on mission. Is it not something that we just captured in our heads, but it needs to be um, captured in our hearts? The third thing is also, a gospel-centered community should be really countercultural. So one way to check out if your community that you're part of, is it really countercultural? Your friends who don't know Jesus, if they were hanging out with you, and your friends who do know Jesus together, would they be able to know the difference? Can they see there's a difference? Uh, this, more, uh, this afternoon, I go to my little local coffee shop, uh, and uh, the couple there that I've gotten to know, uh, we've had some great, good gospel conversations. Uh, and uh, uh, the guy who owns it, his name's Niall, uh, Niall said to me, what are you doing tonight? And I said, oh, I've got a church service, and we're going to be uh, talking. He goes, oh, what are you talking about? And I said, oh, we're talking about community. Man, community's so important. Like, he's really kind of earthy kind of dude. So he's like, yeah, man, it's, it's all about community, bro. Like, you know, like, the, the whole, like, vibe is, this is what he's saying, the whole vibe is that, you know, the cafe community, like, we've we got to care for one another. And I'm listening to him going, he just told me, like, two days ago that the cafe next door bagged you out on social media. And he's like, yeah, but we've got to care for one another. I'm like... Yeah, but is that really happening? No, not really. Uh, and I said, well, see, this is the thing that we want to... I'm talking about a different kind of community. He's like, oh, what's that? I said, it's a community about Jesus and Jesus is the center. Oh, that's different. I said, yeah. We'll talk later. I said, yep, no worries. <laughs> so you can pray for that. The reason why I'm sharing that with you is people are yearning for community in our world. And everyone finds it in some way or shape or form, but a true gospel community has Jesus as the center. Here's at this point, I must make a side note about community. And I've seen this over and over again. There is a danger to the Christian community. The Christian community can become a clique. A clique is when you just become so tight that anyone who is different from you, uh, who... uh, dresses differently, acts differently, uh, comes into that little group, there's an uneasiness. 
See, if it's a gospel-centered community, the challenge is not to be that way. We can sometimes idolize Christian community and we forget about the importance of God's design. That is not to make it an idol. It's actually Christ the center. It should be outward. There's also the danger of any Christian community becoming this sort of separate group and hiding in the hills till Jesus returns. I was involved in such a group. And often that means everything is evil, everything is bad. And so we don't know how to engage with the world around us. Now, a gospel community says, no, yes, you're set apart, you're meant to be countercultural, your views on sex, your views on marriage, how you use money, all these things are countercultural. But the point is, you live in this world to be salt and light. The other thing is to be aware of how God's wired you. For some of you, the thought of being in a group of people stresses you out. It's your worst nightmare. Because God's wired you to be more of an introvert. That's okay. Maybe something to consider as God is asking you, who's the one or two people that you can just be friends with in your Christian community? For some of us, we're extroverts. The thought of just being in a room by yourself, you'd pull your hair out. You would rather spend time with lots of people. Is that really Christian community, though? And gospel-centered community actually pushes against that and says, no, no, no. Invest in relationships that go deep. This is the Tim Keller quote, if you're wondering when I was going to say it. Tim Keller writes in his book, Center Church, he says, we often think of community as simply more things we have to follow in the rules of behavior. Okay, I've read my Bible, I've prayed, and I've stayed sexually pure, and I need to go to fellowship. But community is best understood as the way we are all to, or, or are to do all that Christ told us to do in the world. Community is more than just the result of the preaching of the gospel. It itself a declaration and expression of the gospel. It is the demonstration of the good news of freedom in Christ through the evident dismay of our transformed character and our life together. It is itself part if the good news for the God for the good news is this. This is what Christ has won for you on the cross. A new life together with the people of God. Once you were alienated from others, but now you've been brought near. This is from his book in Center Church. Friends This is what Christ has done. Christ has called you into a gospel community that's centered around him, but it's to display out to a world that's countercultural. And you know the point of all of this? The idea that Christian community exists is to give you a taste of what eternity will look like. Did you know that Christian community exists with Christ at center to give you a vision of what eternity can look like? One of my favorite passages that I constantly come back to is this wonderful passage in a book called Revelation. It's the last book of the Bible. It's up here on the screen. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. This is the end goal. This is the end goal of a gospel-centered community because this is the picture that God has designed it. 
And this is what he calls us to. Friends, I want you to know that one of the desires for us as a church leadership that we've been praying for almost for a few years now is to really display a good gospel-centered community. I don't know if this is going to shock you, but did you know a good gospel-centered community is not just a group of young adults? A gospel-centered community is different groups, different backgrounds, journeying together in loving Jesus and loving others. And that's what we'd love to see. So, this week, something to consider. Maybe just pray to God and ask God, is my friendships right now displaying Christ as the center? Maybe you need to widen your group a little bit and invite others into that space. The other thing is God actually calls us all to be in this community together. You're not meant to be doing this on your own. And with that in mind, let me pray and then we'll see if we've got any questions. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this display of what it means to be a gospel-centered community. God, you know, um, to think that we can now just force ourselves to do stuff, we need your desperate help to really display what you've designed. So if we're being exclusive in any way as a community, please forgive us. Help us to be generous, just as you've been generous with us. Change our hearts. For those of us who don't know you, would you reveal that to really understand in depth what it means to have a gospel-centered community. Help us to know the gospel and know you. Help us to live in light of this, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we do have a couple of questions. Um, First one was, how can we create a gospel-centered community within a church culture that often says, if you don't like it, just go somewhere else? Whew. Okay. Um, that's, a, that's a pretty... Um, hey, if, that's, if, that's a, if you share that, firstly, I'm really sorry that you feel that. Um, I guess as one of the leaders of this church, um, that would grieve me to make you feel like just because you don't fit in, you'll be telling you to go somewhere else. Um, secondly, it's, uh, I'd probably say, um, probably consider... Say the, say the question again, Cam, make sure I get... So how can we create a gospel-centered community within a church culture that often says, if you don't like it, just go somewhere else? Uh, I guess some of the questions I have is what are the things that, that we're saying we don't like? Um, hopefully our church will say it's gospel-centered. Uh, but uh, some things to consider is this, uh, some practical stuff. Um, maybe ask God um, who are the people that you can just talk to. Maybe it's one or two people. Uh, to change a conversation from being about um, the latest Kanye West album or uh, something else, ask how can I pray for you? Uh, maybe it's one or two people. Uh, that God is calling you to pray uh, with. Uh, the second thing is, um, be praying um, for God to change you and others to see that there needs to be this sort of fellowship and community that keeps growing, uh, that goes countercultural to what that question asked. Cool. Um, second one was, can you clarify the way that Christian community is deeper than, say, atheists or other religions? Do you think there are times when actually those communities are stronger than what we experience? Good question. 
Um, I, I think there are moments where it looks like the um, friends of mine who don't believe in Jesus um, and um, friends, whether it's atheists or non-Christians, they um, are building a community about, around something. Okay, so with my friends who don't know believe in Jesus, particularly really kind of atheists, they're believing their community around what they're against. Um, my friends who are apathetic to this kind of stuff, like my friends up the cafe, um, they're building their community around, ultimately, their little cafe world. That's their community. But here's the thing, though. The difference is that ultimately it looks even more inwardly because their source of their community is not based around Jesus. And when it's not based around Jesus... Yes, can they, as image bearers, do wonderful things? Of course. You know, that's why there are all these social enterprises and so on doing great things. That's part of God's expression. But it's missing the significant element of Christ as the center. And so when Christ as the center comes involved, it actually becomes more and more less about the community. It actually becomes more about him and what he wants. And so the community becomes very different. It's more kind of counterculture. It should be countercultural. Uh, there's this great historian uh, who wrote uh, in the early days of the Christian church when there was a famine that went through, it was very clear that the Greeks would just serve the Greeks. Uh, this particular tribe would just serve the particular tribe. But the Christians served everyone and anyone because in them they were captured by this gospel that said, no, no, Christ compels us. Um, there's another one. So as a community, how do we work as a group to become more Christ-centred, especially since we are all on different journeys and may view Christ-centred community differently? Yeah. I think in that, uh, I'd say um, understand exactly that. People are at different stages and, and spaces in regards to that. Um, so if you're in a situation where um, your friendship group, say, for example, at Canterbury Gardens, we all have friendship groups. This is the reality that happens, right? It's not bad. Um, maybe in your friendship group, uh, ask questions like, are we not just having fun together? Are we journeying together and praying with each other? Um, are we inviting others who we may not normally invite? They might even be an older person, particularly young adults, uh, to come and hang out with. These are little tweaks that you can do to go along on that journey. The other thing is just, um, this is going to sound really very cliche. Uh, I, would, I would encourage you, if I had my time again, I'm 41, at your age, I would implore with you, if you've got a good group of friends who go to the Canterbury Gardens and you call yourself Christians and love one another, just take the time to read the Bible together. It sounds, well, thanks, Jabu. Read the Bible and pray. Welcome to Canberra Cartons Community Church. If you think about it, that's the way God's designed it. A community that says, hey, as we hang out, let's pray together. As we hang out, maybe we'll read something together. This is what it means to travel together. All right, there's two final questions. They're both to do with Kanye West. Um, so maybe the worship team, if you want to head up the front, they'll be really fast. Um, so the last two questions is, uh, one, what is your favourite song on Kanye West's album, Jesus is King? 
Um, two, if, if you met Kanye West, what would you ask him? Oh, man, um, this is great. I would, um, firstly, right now, uh, it's the song called Seller. That's the one that I'm enjoying for now. I've just started listening to it. I bought it like yesterday, so I'm getting used to that. Um, can I just make a comment on this? Like, this is a really popular thing. I've got friends of mine who are all pastors, and we were all joking about how many times can we mention Kanye West in a sermon today. <laughs> because it's, it's the in thing to do. Um, can I just encourage you as a young group of people, including myself, not really young, um, we don't need Kanye West's um, um, approval to be now say, yes, we're cool, we're accepted. Um, Kanye West is just a man who I hope has discovered the gospel. Kanye West will need a community of gospel-centered people who will journey with him, uh, who will encourage him to love Jesus, tweak some of the things that he's still growing in. Um, so I'll just encourage you guys that as you kind of listen to the stuff and uh, use it as an opportunity. Most of your friends will be listening to it and will be seeing it. It'll be interesting to see how it goes in Australian culture. But at least in American culture, it's, it's made a big thing. Um, when you're friends this week, talk about Jesus more than you talk about Kanye West as you engage with that. Um, yeah, and if you've got any more questions about Kanye, come and talk to me. Uh, that's it. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Shabu.